This time with Life 66, we look at Revelation chapter 4, a view of the throne room, powerful, powerful images of what heaven may look like and what's happening in the spirit room even now. This is Pastor Greg. Glad you're with us to study the Revelation. Uh, We have finished a number of weeks in chapter 1, 2, and 3, and now we start to pick up the pace as we get into chapter 4 and then the rest of the book. Chapter 4 and 5 are extremely unique chapters. They are a view of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what, uh, well, not what, but this unique image, this unique look into the heavenlies. Um, We see that this is the introduction to the rest of the book where it gets just crazy here on earth. Uh, But it comes out of um, uh, rule and uh, the authority of what's happening in heaven. Chapter 4, we'll see God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, where then in chapter 5, we see the beautiful picture of the Lion and the Lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. Let me read it to you, and then we'll dive into studying it. Verse 1, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other elders, or excuse me, 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. What a strange, strange part of Scripture. And, you know, I don't know about you, to me, when I read passages like this, it just reminds me of how big and awesome and so otherworldly God is. I mean, we see images here that we just kind of shake our head and, and just think like, what? What is that? What can that even mean? What can that even look like? How does that work? But you see, in heaven, in the presence of God, there are things that we don't know about. There are things that we only wait to see, uh, beings and creatures and just so much that is not like this world. And to, you know, we don't understand it, but to realize we're going to see 
some amazing things one day when we get to heaven. Now, it's important, if you remember at the beginning, we started talking about how to interpret the book of the Revelation. And my personal view with the Revelation, as well as the whole Bible, is that you take it literally unless there's very clear and specific uh, statements that says what is to be taken symbolically is symbolic. So some things are symbolism, but the scripture will give us an understanding of what is symbolic. Other things are meant to be taken literally, and that's just the general rule. So when we look at these things, unless God tells us they are symbolic, then we take them literally. Now, understand, when John says he looked and he saw in heaven these things, what we understand is that he literally saw these things. He's not describing us a metaphor for what he saw. This is what he saw. Now, whether or not those are uh, um, real creatures or they stand for something else, there's differing opinions, of course. My opinion is to take it literally. This is what he saw. This is what God meant for him to see, and that these things are real. Because there's nowhere else in Scripture that gives us the, the indication that they, they mean something other than they really mean. So... Another thing to really think about here, and a lot of Bible teachers and a lot of Bible students get in trouble, and that's try to affix some kind of current meaning to everything in Revelation. Big mistake. Why? Because you don't know. Simple as that. It's guesswork if you think you can say, well, this means this, and the elders mean this, and the, uh, you know, the sea around the throne, and, and on and on and on. If the Bible doesn't tell you what it means, you don't know. That's just that simple. So I'm not going to try to tell you what everything means. Uh, I will tell you some things as they are consistent with other parts of Scripture. Um, but there's no way to authoritatively say, uh, you know, this is what the, the creature that looks like the ox means, or this is what the creature that looks like the eagle means. Because uh, the Bible doesn't tell us. And anybody that says that they have some kind of hidden secret to interpreting these things, uh, they're either deceived or they lie, one of the two, uh, because they don't know. So, uh, so that might leave you a little bit, you know, wanting in your study. You say, well, if these things are in the scripture, what do they mean? And we don't know. You just got to be content with that. This is what John saw. He doesn't give us a definition. Uh, and so unless there's some other clarity in scripture, we just simply have to be content with the fact that this is what is, and one day we're going to find out what it means. So anyway, with that in mind, let's jump into to chapter four. It says, after this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. John has just received the seven letters of Jesus to the seven churches. So right after that, he looks up and remember, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's, that's the first chapter. So he's, he's praying. God is, is, is talking to him, showing him things. And in his vision, he looks up and he sees heaven. And there's a door that's opened into the heavenly realm. Now, when we talk about heaven, it's not like this singular location. Like you, you know, uh, you see a, a, an office or a, an apartment building and there's a door or and you walk through, the, not, it's not like that. It's it picture some kind of, 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 of atmospheric, you know, place, location, and there's this 
uh, doorway that, that is going to allow John to, to see in. And when he sees the door, he hears this voice like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. That's the same voice he heard in chapter 1, verse 10. It's Jesus sounding the trumpet, because in chapter 1, it reveals that this is who's talking. And so he, he hears the same voice, and that voice says, come up here. Remember, it's the same voice says in chapter 1, I'm going to show you things that are, things that are now, and things that are to come. This is the things that are to come part. This is chapter 4 to the end of the, the, uh, the vision in chapter 22. This is the beginning of things to come. Now, quite possibly, these are things that are occurring now in the heavenly places, what John is seeing, that there's no, nothing to tell us that they, these things are not occurring today. Um, but he says, come up here. I'm going to show you what most, must soon take place after this. It says, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne. Okay, the first thing we see then is a throne. The, the throne isn't described uh, very thoroughly. Uh, neither is the one um, completely described who's sitting on the throne. We don't see that exactly. It says, and the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. So that's, that's symbolic talk. It doesn't say he was Jasper and Carnelian. It says, man, he was so aglow and the radiance that came from this, this person on the throne had that appearance, that shining jewel-like appearance um, and a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. So there's this throne, this, this person sitting there, and then encircling. Uh, I, I, in my own vision, I, I envision like a halo, uh, like, but, but a huge halo, because encircled the throne, not just the person, uh, uh, encircling him. Now, there are some things we have that are consistent in the scripture. When you see the appearance of precious stones, semi-precious stones throughout the Bible that's attached to some kind of worship, uh, it, it's attributed to God's glory. So uh, I, I'm comfortable with that interpretation because it's consistent elsewhere, that God's glory is radiating from the throne and there's a rainbow. Remember where the rainbow came from? It came from, of course, Noah's flood in uh, Genesis 6, 7 and following. And that, that rainbow was to communicate God's faithfulness, that he would never flood the earth again. So we have this rainbow encircling signifying this is the faithful God the one who said he was going to come back, the one who is coming back, the one who is with us continually, the one who will never leave us, the one who will never forsake us. But then there's something interesting in verses, uh, in verse four, it says around the throne, there are 24 other thrones, not the big throne, not the big chair, but 24 other smaller thrones. And on them are 24 individuals. They're called elders here. And there's, there's lots of um, uh, speculation as to who these elders are. Now, one that that makes sense, although uh, we don't really we can't really say with certainty, but it makes sense that in the Old Testament, uh, the twelve tribes of Israel, the, the twelve sons of Jacob, that are are the make up the the nation of Israel, and then in the New Testament we have the twelve apostles. Of course, 12 disciples, Judas killed himself, added one more, 12 apostles. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a far-fetch to say that the, uh, the 24 elders surrounding uh, may be individuals representing the 12 tribes and 12 apostles, or 
the uh, you know the individuals themselves. Um, but there's realistically many different views. The simplistic uh, approach is that simply there are twelve, or excuse me, there are twenty-four, and they surround the throne. Now they're dressed in white robes. White robes are consistent throughout Scripture with righteousness. So they are covered with God's righteousness, and they wear golden crowns, promise of future reign and reward, Revelation 3.21, 22.5, so on. Uh, lots of uh, re- um, references to golden crowns representing uh, future reign and reward. What's interesting uh, is that what they do, it says they constantly fall down and worship the one on the throne powerful. This is what they do. This is what they delight in. This is what they exist for, is to worship God. And what an amazing intimacy there is between the one on the throne and those that he loves, worshiping him day and night as he his presence just illuminates this, this awesome uh, throne room. Uh, from the throne, the big throne, come flashes of lightning, rumbles, and rumblings and peal of thunder. I don't know if you've ever been in a lightning and thunderstorm. It's awesome. The biggest one I ever was ever in was a flash storm in uh, um, just outside of Branson, Missouri. One of those Midwestern summertime uh, rains. And in the matter of just, it seemed like five or 10 minutes, the skies darkened. And it was the most rocking thunder and lightning I've ever heard. The thunder sounded like Somebody was shooting off a cannon, you know, inside the room, even though it was happening outside. And the cracks of lightning were just, they were awe-inspiring. And the rains came in just torrents. Uh, Around the throne is these peals of of thunder and these cracks of lightning. And uh, we can see uh, references back to Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. And uh, wherever God is, there is power. There is awesome power. And God is from Him come these amazing reactions of lightning and thunder. And throughout the book of the Revelation, we're going to see this repeated. Before the throne are seven lamps with blazing uh, that are blazing, and these represent the or these are the seven spirits of God. Uh, now remember what this is. Uh, we re- refer back to chapter one, and uh, the seven spirits of God represents the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Godhead. And we see this in the book of Zechariah uh, and um, I believe some other places. So we have the two, two uh, persons of the Godhead represented here. God the Father, the supreme judge and creator on the throne. God the Holy Spirit before the throne. And to give a little sneak peek, chapter 5, we're going to see God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now before the... Uh, Around the throne, before the throne, is this sea of glass. Now, a sea, you know, it's not like a sea, like there's waves cracking. Just, just picture like this uh, image of a calm sea that's got depth to it, that is uh, shimmering. Um, and, and, and that is what surrounds the, the throne. So you've got the, this sea of glass, beautiful, shimmering, uh, sparkling glass, with the 24 elders seated encircling the main throne, which is cracking uh, thunder and lightning, um, while a rainbow uh, is surrounding him. Uh, you know, what a, an amazingly beautiful, beautiful picture. 
But that's not all. There's more crazy stuff. It says, in the center around the throne, and I envision that there's the 24 elders and then these creatures I'm just going to talk about, and then the throne. So it's like these concentric circles, kind of like a, a bullseye or a, uh, you know what I mean, like target with God in the middle and then these creatures and then the elders. Well, there are four living creatures. We see these creatures very similar uh, in Ezekiel chapter 1, 5 to 25, and also chapter 10, verses 1 to 22. And these are the closest ones to God the Father of the throne. Now, they could represent God's characteristics or God's creation, um, or they could be simply literal creatures like we've never seen before. I, of course, lean that way because the Bible doesn't say that they represent something else. Now, these are really, really unique creatures. It says they are covered with eyes in front and in back. What, 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 is, what does that mean, covered with eyes? Well, we see in other places that God is all-knowing, and these creatures, they, they look everywhere, and they, are, they have knowledge. They're very aware. They're covered with eyes in the front in the, and in the back. And there's four of them. Uh, the first looks like a lion. The second looks like an ox. The third has the face of a man. And the fourth, like a flying eagle. And they all have six wings, each one of them. The one that looks like a lion, picture a lion's body with eyes everywhere, and then six wings. And there's even eyes underneath the wings, underneath his belly, everywhere. The second is like an ox. Think of an ox covered with eyes, but with six wings. A man with six wings, standing erect with eyes everywhere. And then this eagle uh, with six wings and eyes everywhere. Awesome creatures. What do they mean? I don't know what they mean. I could make up some stories and tell you, well, this is what they mean. This is my nonsense. We don't know. We know that they are creatures and there's, then we know what they look like, but there's one thing they do know. This is in verse number eight. It says, never do they stop saying, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now realize that um, when, when a word is repeated in the, uh, in the Hebrew language, it's not as if it's being spoken of three different times. It's as if you were adding exclamation points. So when it says, holy, 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 it means holy with exclamation points after it. So this is a shout. This is a loud, loud, uh, you know, roar if you're a lion, whatever sound an ox and an eagle and a man makes. I mean, they're speaking, so they say these words, but it's, it's as if they're shouting, holy, to the top of their lungs. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then his description, who was who is and is to come. The God who has always been eternity in the past. The God who is right now and the God who is about to be revealed in such a new and powerful way, eternity in the future. Powerful, powerful statements. We're going to see many, many more statements in these next couple of chapters. There's one, two, three, four, five, six more uh, or excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, five total uh, songs or statements in chapter four and five. There's a lot of worship going on in heaven, and it's powerful, and it's not quiet. It's not some little whispery, uh, you know, tune. It's shouts. It's roaring, like Isaiah six, 
when the, the, the shouting of the angelic forces uh, uh, shook the, uh, the doorposts of the temple. Um, this is loud stuff going on in here. And they shout, holy, 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 or holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is, and is to come. Now, they never stop saying this. And look, verse 9, when they say this, which is never stopping, and they give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, when they say this, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. So these creatures who are encircling the throne, they are shouting, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is, is to come. And when he says that, the 24 elders fall on their faces before him. And they, it says that they cast their crowns before him. They put their thrones off their heads. They don't claim rulership. They don't claim uh, power. They don't claim authority. They submit their authority. And they lay their crowns down to the only one who has the right to wear a crown. And when they lay their crowns down, they respond to the creature's words by saying, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. Interesting statement that they turn to the creation. They say, God, the reason you are worthy to receive this praise from the creatures, the reason you are worthy to have them say, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, is to come. So you are worthy to receive that to receive the glory, the honor, and the power because you're the creator. Isn't it powerful to realize that one of the most great deceptions today is to deny that God is the creator? What, I wonder why that is. I've thought about it. The reason why it's so important that God is the creator, because if he's the creator, he's the master. If he's the creator, we're accountable to him. If he's the creator, it's his word that says, how life should be lived, and how we ought to respond in this world to the things that occur. It's his authority. It's his might. He is the owner of all things. It doesn't surprise me at all that we want to throw off God as creator, because if God's not the creator, he doesn't own us. If God's not the creator, he doesn't get to tell us what to do. If God's not the creator, we don't have to uh, listen to him or any other God, we can do our own thing and we can make our own minds up and we can behave the way we want. Well, God is the creator. He's worthy to receive glory because he created all things. By his will, they were created. And by his will, they have their being. God's our creator and we respond to him only. I'll tell you what, when I see the, this powerful scene, I don't want to be on another side. I don't want to be on a side that's against God. I don't want to be on an adversarial side. And we're going to find out later on in the book how people think they can actually fight and overthrow God. Now, it doesn't work very well. We're going to see that in vivid detail. But their response is, God, you made everything. Therefore, we worship you. That simple response also leads me to believe, as I mentioned previously, that these 24 elders are uh, at least representative of the nation of Israel and the church, these two bodies uh, that God has, has filled with life because they're talking about earthly things. You're worthy to receive 
glory, honor, and power because you made everything and you own us, God. You are our master, God. You are the ruler, God. You are the sovereign one, God. You are the authority. And we are your servants. Therefore, we bow down and we take off our crowns. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a crown wearer. I'm not, I'm not the king over anybody. I'm not a prince or a, uh, you know, any royalty. But sometimes I wear my own crown. I wear the crown that says I'm in charge. I wear the crown that says my life, my decisions. My life, my way. My life, God, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. No, no. We bow down and we lay down our crown. And like Jesus did in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Let me ask you this. Who are you worshiping today? You worshiping yourself with your own crown on your head? When God is on the throne, do you keep your own crown on and refuse to bow down? Let me tell you this. Philippians chapter 2 says there's going to be a day when everybody will, be, will bow down. Everybody at the name of Jesus will bow down and worship him. Here's what I know. Some people are going to worship him willingly. Some will be glad to worship the king of kings like these elders are glad. They enjoy bowing down and, and, and taking off their crowns and placing them at his feet. But there's going to be another group of people. They're going to worship him, but they're going to worship him with resistance. They don't, they don't love him. They don't like him. They don't want him. They, they, they just, they're, they're, they're against everything he is, but they will bow down and they will worship. In today's world, there's so much arrogance, so much, uh, like people think they have so much power. People think they have so much, uh, you know, authority and so much celebrity and so much money that, that, that gives them some kind of power. It's nonsense. There is one God and all the rich, all the poor, all the mighty, all the weak, all the known, all the unknown, all the strong, all the ones that think they know, all the ones that think they have answers, also the ones that love to sit in places of power, they're all going to bow down, every one of them. And they're going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Lord of all. I know I want to bow down gladly. I don't want to bow down by force. But everybody's going to bow. Who do you bow to today? Better to bow now willingly than to bow down later with a whole eternity of regret in front of you. Good stuff today, everybody. I hope you'll bow to the Lord today and submit yourself because he is the one on the throne and he will be praised. Next time, chapter five, we get to see now Jesus the Son in a way we've never seen him before. God bless you. Have a great uh, day, whatever you're doing. Read ahead in chapter five. See you next time on Life 66.